Hi everyone, my name is Joe, uh, I'm one of the elders at Grace Church here, and uh, this morning we'll be concluding our Christmas series, we've been doing a, a four part series called uh, Good Gifts, looking at what uh, Jesus brings us at Christmas time. Uh, well, I wonder what kind of Christmas you had. Maybe it left you feeling a little bit like this. Well, there are quite a few Christmas songs, aren't there? On the theme of, wouldn't it be great if Christmas never ended? I mean, it's such an amazing special day, isn't it? All the family and friends who you haven't seen for so long, they turn up with all these exciting-looking presents, funny stories, good wishes, and they're just genuinely really happy to see you. You're wearing your brand-new Christmas jumper, resplendent in its comfy woolliness and the patterns of uh, frolicking reindeer and Santa's elves and the big Christmas pudding sticking out. It's the talk of the Christmas dinner table. Talking of which, roast turkey is there, looking golden brown, smelling delicious. Can't wait to get stuck into the mountains of food. Uh, Loads of roast potatoes, gallons of rich and dark gravy. So many trimmings and sauces, there's barely space to sit down and fit your plate in. Even the jokes in the Christmas crackers are really funny, after all the brandy you consumed in the Christmas pudding. Then you get to the presents. And there's that, just that inspired novelty gift that has everyone cracking up every single time it gets set off. just realised I had a load of pictures there. <laughs> well, after several days, it's not quite the same story though, is it? The family that you were so pleased to see at first... <laughs> Now you just can't wait for them to leave. There's no peace and quiet. No one can agree on what to watch on TV. Most games seem to descend into mass fights or mass sulking. There's always someone who takes way too long in the bathroom. And someone whose idea of great fun is a million miles away from yours. No, you can't play with your Lego. You have to sit down and play boring card games instead. Great. The once delicious and tasty turkey is now going off in the fridge. You've eaten so much of the stuff, you were worried you might turn into one. Someone tries to make you eat another turkey sandwich, they'd be in serious mortal danger. The hilarious novelty toy is just doing everyone's head in. Annoyingly, you just can't find the battery compartment anywhere. Any minute now, that thing is going to meet with some unfortunate accident. Or an incident involving a hammer. Even your Christmas jumper is now frayed and there's several unwanted stains which are even less willing to leave than your family are. (laughs) Well, if this is what Christmas is like, it's not really a season of joy and goodwill, is it? And even, even if it is, it just doesn't last very long. So what's the answer? How can you have a more joyful Christmas, a more joyful life? Well, I think the problem is, we usually look for joy in the wrong places. Because we look, we search for joy in things that can't satisfy. Well, I've learned this one the hard way. 
My entire childhood is littered with Christmas and birthday presents that seemed a good idea at the time, only to be abandoned when I realised they weren't that great. A karaoke machine. A set of Punch and Judy puppets. An extremely girly Lego set. A shell suit. (laughs) There was going to be a picture. Ask me later and I'll show it to you. A cheap version of a Nintendo Game Boy. A football shirt with the name and number of a player who left several months later. (laughs) Not to mention the time I entered a Christmas competition to win a whole stash of Christmas presents. Spent the whole of Christmas Eve looking out of the window, wondering when they were going to arrive. Totally convinced I was going to win. That was one disappointing Christmas Eve. Well, some people look for joy in fun and enjoyable things. Food, leisure, pleasure. This is one of the things people look forward to at Christmas, isn't it? A great party, delicious food, brilliant gifts. We look for joy in the things that will uh, comfort and excite and entertain us. Trouble is, there's always something else. A better party, tastier food, more expensive and exciting gifts. Some people look for joy in relationships in the hope that other people can make us truly happy. Whether that's friends, family, or that special perfect person. All you want is someone intelligent, funny, thoughtful, strong, wise, caring, loving, compassionate, willing... Servant-hearted, brave, decisive, and beautiful, who likes you? <laughs> it's not too much to ask, is it? Trouble is, that perfect person is very hard to find. You have to kind of make do with the closest match that you can find. Thing is, another person can never satisfy because they can never hope to live up to everything that we could possibly want or need from them. Other people look for joy in being successful, having a life that everyone can look at and say, haven't they done well for themselves? Trouble is again, if, if joy is dependent on success, how much success is enough? There's always more success to be had, another, another rung on the achievement ladder. Always more you could have done or earned. Always the pressure to maintain your success. Just look at the world of sport. As soon as Man United won their 20th league title last season, people were already talking about could they win the 21st title. Success can never satisfy because it only brings joy as long as you continue to be successful. And the trouble is, we search for joy in things that don't last. The trouble with all of these things is they just can't last. Delicious food gets eaten. Great parties end. Brilliant gifts break. Or they get overtaken by a newer, slimmer and better version. The glory of success fades after a while. And even the most beautiful relationships end. The trouble is, it's hard for joy to last. when the things that give us joy don't last either. And Christmas is a perfect example of this, isn't it? So much planning and preparation, so much hope and expectation and anticipation. All this poured into this one day of the year that's supposed to be perfect and magical and happy. It can't possibly live up to that. And even if it did, 
it's all over in just 24 short hours. If that's the best that Christmas has to offer, one short day that may or may not be as joyful as you hope for. See, if we only ever search for joy in things that can't last or won't satisfy, then our joy will only ever be short-lived. But at the heart of the Christmas message is the promise of a joy that truly satisfies. A joy that lasts long after the 25th of December is long gone. Because at the heart of the Christmas message is someone who brings perfect joy and is the ultimate source of everything that gives us joy. We find deep joy in Jesus Christ. Um, back in verse 10, uh, at the reading we had, when the Magi, or the wise men, um, we're not quite sure who they were, they could have been kind of philosophers, astrologers, uh, some people uh, think they're, uh, some scholars think they're kind of, uh, were a tribe of priests, um, whoever they were, these uh, wise men, these Magi, arrive at the place where Jesus is, and when they see the star that they've been following, it stops over the place where Jesus is, they were, uh, they were overjoyed. Another translation puts this even more strongly. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You can't kind of think, well, were they just the kind of people who went a bit gooey over a little baby? This is really working well, isn't it? Even if it was the baby of people that they'd never met before. Even if it was a royal baby of another country. You can tell it's American by the lack of a U in labour. <laughs> well, it's possible. It's possible the wise men were just baby people. But their response in verse 11, when they actually see baby Jesus, it's not one of, oh, isn't he just so cute? No, they bow down and worship him. Finding this baby, this infant king, this tiny child, is worthy of their worship. Their response is one of joyful reverence. And it's a genuine joy as well. These Magi were not forced by anyone to travel thousands of miles from another country in order to worship a foreign king. They chose to come. They chose to travel in search of the one born king of the Jews. They chose to come and worship him. But why? Why travel all that way? And why so much joy when they found him? I think we get a hint uh, uh, in verse 6 which is a quote from the prophet Micah several hundred years beforehand. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. See, God had promised a mighty, eternal king. And this was a ruler who had come from Bethlehem, like the great King David. And this ruler would shepherd God's people. The Magi are joyful because they found this great ruler, this shepherd of God's people. 
Jesus is the mighty, eternal, promised king. Now, we love our heroes, don't we? Our last, week, our last few weeks, we've seen an outpouring of admiration and praise for Nelson Mandela, affectionately known as Mediba, a man who stood in opposition uh, to the brutal apartheid regime in South Africa. Or Martin Luther King, uh, who fought peacefully for civil rights for African Americans in the 1960s. I think we see this really clearly with our ongoing love of heroes in films and TV. Characters with exceptional strength and abilities that we see as good. So from Maximus Decimus Meridius, Gandalf, Aragorn, Zorro, Sherlock Holmes, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Thor. We love the idea of someone being mighty, powerful, strong and being good. Someone who has immense power to stand up, to fight and defeat their enemies. And yet someone who is good and desires the protection, the safety of people. This is what the promised king, the Messiah, was to be. He was a mighty ruler. He was also a shepherd. Now let's be clear. A shepherd is not just a bit of a wimp. Someone who would lay around in fields all day, kind of casting a casual eye over what the sheep were doing. A shepherd was responsible for protecting the sheep from any threat. They had to be incredibly tough, strong, brave. They had to have a fierce loyalty, a desire to protect the sheep that they cared for. A good shepherd wouldn't just wander off and leave the sheep. They had to be there. The shepherd had to lead, provide, and feed. Make sure that the uh, sheep were always secure. See, this promised king, this mighty ruler, was going to be a shepherd. Someone who ruled, not for their own benefit, like Caesar Augustus, who'd forced everyone in the Roman Empire to uh, register in the census so he could tax his people some more. Not like the psychopath King Herod, who's so paranoid... He killed off several members of his own family and ordered the brutal slaughter of young children just to get rid of any potential rivals. This ruler would be a shepherd for the people. He'd be a mighty, strong and powerful king who used his might to protect uh, his people, not to protect himself. A ruler who used his power to rescue people from danger, not put people in danger. A ruler who would lay down his life for his people, not demand that they give up their lives for his sake. A ruler who came to make his people rich. A ruler who came to make his people rich by becoming poor himself. Jesus came to bring deep joy because he came to bring a perfect rule. To be the mighty promised king that God's people have been expecting. The perfect ruler, the shepherd who would care for and protect his people. I think this is actually what we uh, long for when we're looking for joy. See, joy is not just about uh, feeling happy or, or being in a good mood. It's much deeper than that. It's an ongoing sense of satisfaction at our circumstances. Our mood can change like the weather, and it usually does. 
the joy or despair, uh, that ongoing sense of whether we're satisfied with our lives, with our circumstances. And deep joy comes when we feel completely safe and secure. I don't know if you've ever felt in serious danger, but it's a horrible feeling. Or, or just not knowing where you're going to live or what you're going to eat. But if you have a roof over your head, plenty of money in the bank, and you feel well protected, well, you, can have a, you can have a certain sense of joy that you're safe, you're secure. We hate to feel unloved or unwanted, don't we? As though we have no place in the world. This is why we cling to our family, our friends. Or the idea that a loving relationship with another person is the answer. And will bring us joy. The safety and security of being loved. Or sometimes life is just hard work. Or it's a bit dull and repetitive. And we think that an easier and more fun life will bring us true joy. And so we seek the things that will give us pleasure. Or make life that bit more straightforward. The joy comes from feeling a sense of satisfaction with what we have, from being safe from danger, from feeling truly secure in loving relationships. As so we find the deepest joy in Jesus Christ, because this is what he brings. And the mighty promised king and shepherd brings complete safety and security. He's a good ruler. He's a strong and caring protector of his people. And unlike everything else that we look to for joy, Jesus Christ lasts. He provides complete safety and security forever. As we've gone through this uh, series on good gifts, uh, we've, we've seen what Jesus gives us. In the first talk, uh, Mike showed us that Jesus brings us true peace. Peace between us and God. Jesus paid our debt on the cross, as we've been singing about. He brought about true peace and reconciliation between humanity and God. Last week, John showed us uh, that Jesus brings us incredible hope. Because he provides us with true meaning. He provides us with deliverance in his everlasting presence. And on Christmas Day, Matt showed us how this is possible. Jesus came to be a saviour, to rescue his people... By providing himself on the tree. He died the death that we deserve. That we might have life through him. Later on in the Bible we're told that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, people who have accepted the forgiveness and peace offered at the cross. Those people have nothing to fear. There's no one and nothing left to condemn or attack them. The writer Paul expands on this idea uh, later on in uh, that passage from Romans that we heard read earlier. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. See, people who follow Jesus not only have nothing to fear, they have every reason reason to be deeply joyful. 
the mighty God who made the universe is not just not against them, he's actively for them. And if God is good and gracious enough to give up his, uh, his precious son so there might be peace, how will he not also give his people all things? So in the face of Jesus Christ, we clearly see the goodness, the graciousness of God. If God was willing to give up what was most precious to him in Christ, how would he hold back anything else? And because of the perfect love and gracious goodness of God, there's perfect safety and security. Just look at verse 35 onwards. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Then on to verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing and no one that can get in the way of Christ's love for his people. Not poverty or hunger, not violence or war or threats, there's no power, being, situation or change in circumstance, not even death itself can separate us, God's people, from his love shown in Christ. See, this is a picture of total security, safety and provision. A picture of perfect joy. Jesus brings total security in relationship. He is perfectly faithful. Nothing can prevent or end his love for his people. The people he's reconciled with God. Because it doesn't depend on us. It doesn't depend on how lovely or lovable we are. That's the problem with Father Christmas. It's all about how good you've been. How bad you've been. Do you get anything from him? With Christ, it depends on him and what he has done. Jesus brings total safety. Not even death itself can destroy what God's people have in Christ. This is a joy that truly lasts because there's literally no end to it. And Jesus brings total provision. He's the sign of God's good and generous giving. Now, this doesn't mean uh, that we always have to be perfectly happy with a constant plastic smile on our faces. I used to have a music teacher who smiled, just had this massive smile always on her face. Even when she was shouting, she would be grinning like an idiot. It was really disconcerting. We don't have to be like that. But in less than happy circumstances, we can have a real, deep, lasting joy. Because we know that whatever this life might have in store, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God shown to us in Jesus Christ. He's faithful. He's eternal. He's a mighty king who keeps his promises. See, the ironic, the tragic thing is that we so often spend Christmas and our lives chasing after short-lived joy found in pale reflections of what we have in Jesus Christ, the one who's at the very heart of Christmas. We long for family and friends that love us deeply. 
Jesus brings people into a perfect and loving Heavenly Father and into a massive loving family of rescued sinners. We long for good food and a cosy place to stay. Jesus brings his people into a heavenly city of glorious splendour and security. He welcomes people to an eternal heavenly banquet. We long for gifts and possessions, things that only break, spoil and fade. Yet Jesus offers the eternal treasures of his heavenly kingdom and a world of unblemished beauty, a place where nothing spoils, fades or perishes. Even the other things we might look to for joy in our lives, status or success, are nothing compared to the status that we have in Christ. Adopted as children of God, co-heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We even share in the victory, success and inheritance of Jesus. Far more than anything you could ever hope to achieve in this life. If we look to Christmas, if we look to food, family and fun for our joy, well, it will only let us down, and it won't last. But, if our joy comes in Jesus Christ, we're then free to enjoy all the good things that he gives us to enjoy. Good food, family, friends, loved ones, gifts, knowing that they ultimately come from him. We don't have to make Christmas Day into this magical time that's got to be amazing, filled with hopelessly unrealistic expectations. Because if we look to Christ for our deepest joy, and then Christmas is rubbish, well that's okay, because Christ is still good. And if Christmas is great, well, you can enjoy it. You can enjoy all the good things, as good signs, as reminders uh, of the blessings uh, that we have in the goodness of Jesus Christ. So, as you look back over Christmas 2013, uh, and look... Uh, to the start of 2014. Why not consider, why not take seriously the good gifts that Jesus Christ offers? He offers peace with God. He offers certain hope. And he offers deep joy. And he offers this to absolutely anyone. These are the good gifts made possible because of the gift that Jesus offered on the tree. Jesus Christ gave up the splendour and glory of heaven to come down to earth, to be born of our flesh, to bear our struggles and our temptations, to willingly give his life that we might have life. Jesus took our shame and our sin on himself. In exchange, he gave us his perfect life and righteousness. Just imagine that for a trade-off in presence. Jesus was forsaken so we might be reconciled. In Christ we have peace with God. We can have hope of life and a better world to come. And so we can have deep joy in Jesus who offers us security, love, provision and status. Well surely that brings us, should bring us much deeper joy than a frustrating and imperfect family a Christmas dinner that keeps coming back to haunt you, a horrific Christmas jumper, and a novelty gadget that barely lasts until Boxing Day. Jesus brings deeper joy. Amen.